Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Man. How are you? Welcome to your Life's Work podcast. Hope you're well. Today, part three of the big marriage series, Oppression, Opposition, and Expectations. <laughs> we're just going to barrel roll this thing home, right? That's what we're going to do. Hey, let's talk about marriage. <laughs> uh, sorry for not being around for the last couple months. We have literally been so busy with a number of things going on here, but we promise not to be the world's uh, worst, the world's shittiest podcasters from here forward. I'm promising you that. I'm giving you it. I told you that last time, didn't I? <laughs> this guy doesn't mean what he says when it comes to podcasting. He doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, we've been just absolutely insane busy with the retreat house that we're building here. Uh, three teenagers, 173-year-old farmhouse. Uh, so many, so many projects, and uh, unfortunately, the uh, unfortunately, the podcast usually takes it uh, in the heart uh, when it comes to things uh, that I just I just can't get done. Uh, you know, plus I got the, these wonderful, great clients uh, that I just love to death, and uh, we thank you, thank you all very much for uh, being along for the journey and the ride. So, but we're gonna we're gonna try to do some consistent uh, podcasts. I'm telling you, we're we're like, who's we, Jer? Who the hell are you talking to? You're the only, you're the only idiot doing this. Don't try to blame anybody else on this. Hey, a couple couple new things, just real quick. In January, I started sending out daily your life's work emails, and they're great. They're uh, you know bite size wisdom tradition, contemplative kind of stuff that, you know, you just, you kind of take in and think about and, you know, everything from fear and ego to relationship with God uh, to, you know, how you're moving in your community. I know you'll enjoy them. There is no sales bullshit on the emails. There's no pyramid scheme. There's no 10 ways to peace. It's none of that stupid coaching crap. It is not a scheme meant to suck you into my marketing vacuum. It is none of that. So go to the website and uh, sign up for your life's work emails, jrman.com, J-R-M-A-H-O-N.com. If you need a spiritual director, it's all on the website. And uh, I pick up my phone. I will text you back. I'm the guy behind all the DMs and stuff. Uh, so I'm not uh, – you'll hear from me. You will, you will hear from me, I promise. All right, so let's get at it. Uh, we do 30 minutes on the big show uh, for those who don't know, and we don't want to waste anybody's time. Part three, uh, as I was setting this up, I was like, hey, I'll bring Diane in. Uh, but like, you know, most things uh, around here, it's just it's just crazy busy. So um, it's just going to be me. And I know you'd probably rather hear from Diane than me anyways. But I want to talk about opposition, oppression, and expectations. All three are silent killers at the end of the day. All three of these words need words. All three of these words need sentences. All three of these words need time. All three of these words need identification and understanding in the marriage. They really do. If you've not had conversations in your marriage about opposition, oppression, and expectations, I'm begging you right now to kind of, you know, if you got a date, if you got date nights, and again, you know, I think you know me well enough to know that I'm not, I'm not a fan of the whole date night concept. I'm not a fan of like, I'm, I'm not. I, I, I would rather, I would rather 
everybody, this date night culture that we've gotten into with marriage has kind of sucked some of the energy out of marriage because what I really want people to do is really exercise their time with one another. And exercising their time with one another shouldn't be just a night uh, once a month or once a week that, that we're setting aside. I want this to be 24-7. And I want these things to be able to be uh, examinable at any time. And date nights are usually reserved for movies and getting boozed up at the local restaurant. And that's fine. And that's fine. And if that's the kind of cadence everybody wants with that, that's cool. But I'm looking for a little bit more of a media relationship with you and your spouse. I'm looking for a deeper journey. I'm looking for the ability to have big, huge conversations that matter. And the reason I'm doing that is because... Uh, I mean, there's no secret. Divorce rates are what they are. You can Google it and go for it, and you can understand what's happening. And I think a lot of uh, people who are deciding to fold their marriages just simply haven't done the heavy lifting when it comes to these these three words. And these are easy. And these are easy words. Once you start talking about, so I want to talk about opposition first. So opposition breeds opposition. So if you're fighting, right? If two if two armies come together and they oppose one another, they will just create more violence and more bullshit between the two of them. That's just how it goes. Until one is bloodied and broken enough um, to give up. And, and we don't want that to be cause. And we don't want that to be, you know, the metric of any relationship. So I want, I want you and your spouse to really start understanding what the opposition is in the marriage. And again, I say this. Every marriage has a routine. So I guarantee you the opposition day-to-day is probably the same in its routine. But we have to be able to think about it, contemplate, and really understand where we're firing into the opposition. Are you opposed with your spouse when it comes to money? Are you opposed with your spouse with... Uh, you know, uh, the health choices that you make. Are you opposed about how you go on vacation? Are you opposed at career choice? Are you opposed at how an individual has a, a passion and how they spend their money in that passion? Are you opposed at how your spouse um, parents children, disciplines children? What are the big oppositional keys that you and your spouse hold to each other? And then how does that flame, right? And how does it continue? How does that stay alive? How do you keep fighting in and around that subject? And I really want you, again, this is looking square in the mirror, y'all. This is not just simply looking back at your spouse and going, oh, you're an a-hole when it comes to money, and that's how we're, that's how we're opposed, and we never seem to can make any, any progress in it. I'm telling you, if you identify the opposition between the two of you, that is routine, and you're probably talking about it every day or every other day, if you can just simply have those conversations off of the emotional ceiling. You're going to make a little bit of track and headway and move the ball down the field into peace because we're looking for peace. We're not looking for just opposition. You know, are you opposed politically, right? You know, I know some houses that are divided politically, and it's just like it's insane. You can't talk about how great gas prices are without it becoming Democrat-Republican, right? You can't, uh, you, can't talk about, you can't talk about the weather anymore. I've seen couples argue over the weather when it comes to political party. So what's the opposition? What's the routine of the opposition? And do you or are you talking about it? And when you talk about it, bring the emotions off the table. That's the hardest trick, y'all. 
is not being locked and enslaved into the emotions when we get into the opposition. Di and I, one of the biggest ways I put opposition into the marriage was my drinking. I put my drinking before the marriage period in the story. And what do you think that created, right? It just created a swirling vortex of bullshit between the two of us. Me constantly wanting to protect my drinking, her wanting to constantly have me not drink uh, because it just, it just mucked the marriage up. Once we started to talk about it, you know, once we really got down into the nitty gritty, like, hey, man, like your drinking is really kind of screwing you and it's screwing me and it's screwing the marriage. Um, once we got into those weeds and really took a deep look at it, I needed to come to the table, honestly. She needed to come to the table maybe with a little less emotional gravitas attached. And once we made it there... Uh, things started to change and peace entered back into the marriage. Okay, oppression. Oppression. So oppression is a is a word that is a it's it's a funny word because when you think about marriage, do you necessarily think about oppression? Oh, you know, you're oppressing somebody. You're keeping somebody down, right? You are, you know, you've got your thumb on somebody. You aren't allowing somebody the exercise of freedoms. Freedom, freedoms. You are not helping somebody into passion. You are not helping somebody exercise faith. You are not helping somebody exercise their role in this world, true self, who they really are. And the pendulum can swing really wide on this one. It can be as extreme as physical abuse. And it can be as, you know, minimal as perhaps, you know, just simply having a calendar that is filled to the brim of family activities where no one gets an individual shot in the marriage. So oppression has extremes, but oppression is real. If you're the couple that says, if you're the couple that has sentences like, well, I have to ask permission of my spouse to do X, Y, and Z. I just, I just want you to know, for me, that's a flag in the field that needs to be looked at. Because I don't necessarily think we're, we're doing permission between the two of you. I think permission suggests control or permission suggests that there's a right or a wrong way to use time in the marriage individually. And although I know you can make arguments back to me and you're probably doing it right now, the bigger concept that I want you to understand is if you're a spouse having to go to your if you're a spouse having to go to your husband and your wife and, and and asking, hey, can I? What I'm really looking for is like, what's the element of control from the person giving you a yes or no? Like what is that? Why do you feel beholden in that control? And why can't you simply um, why can't you simply move in in and around the marriage with having because listen, I mean, I get it. I totally get it. It's not like, you know, it's like somebody's yelling at me right now going, well, what if my husband wants to go on a, a, a 20 day fishing trip? You know, like he's going to have to tell me like, I get it. I get it. But we got to use some common sense here because the common sense suggests that the two of you, right, are understanding what one another's passions are or, or the individual plays that you have in the marriage. So this is what I'm asking the two of you to do right now. I'm asking you to understand what your spouse is into 
and, uh, and, and really take that in and understand how they hold it and why they hold it and the levels of time they hold it and, and w- when and where they need to hold it and be able to allow them to hold it healthily with some freedom and the ability to exercise true self. So again, I, I understand the extreme examples that somebody can bring to the table and go, yeah, well, this guy needs to tell me or this woman needs to tell me. I, I, I totally understand it. I totally understand it. I get it, but there is such a thing as oppression that happens between two people, and we have to understand that the elements of control in a marriage can actually dominate and kill a marriage. Like I say, it can be as extreme as physical abuse, right? And and let me tell you, if you're out there and you're a spouse and you're the victim of physical abuse, you need to get out, right? You don't. You need to get out. You need to go find help. You can call me, and I can help you get connected with some people. If that's the case, but that's one swing of the pendulum. Like I say, the other, the, that, 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 you know, that one where the calendar is always full. It's like, think about what I'm saying. It's like, there's so much, there's so much activity in a marriage or so much activity with kids in a marriage that we tend to, to kind of lose face in the marriage. And again, we're rubbing up against oppressiveness, oppression. So where do you face oppression? In a marriage, where do you feel it? Where do you feel it? All right, take that in, think about that. But then, where are you also pumping it back into the marriage? You know what I'm saying? Like, where are you pumping it in? Where are you feeling it? And that's conversation. You want to talk about a hell of a date night? <laughs> that's a date night. Forget bowling and getting drunk, forget edibles in the back seat of your Chevy in the parking lot. Listen, I don't know if that's a thing. I'm just saying. I can picture people chewing on edibles and getting laid in the back seat of a car on a date night. <laughs> you say, you say, what's in your mind, Jr.? Um, forget that. Like, go at what oppression and opposition are. Ways to spot opposition and oppression. What are the ways to spot it? How do you, how do you spot it? Well, listen, this is easy. If you're fired up at loud volume talking to your spouse. And it sounds like yelling, and it feels like anger, or it is resentment. Uh, most likely, you've got some opposition. Oppression, again, if you are the victim of physical abuse, mental abuse, like, come, come to the door, open it, and get out. Go, go, get out of there, get out of there. If you are not feeling like your individuality is being heard or seen in the marriage on the other side of that spectrum, say something. If you love yoga and want to go do yoga, you should be able to go do yoga. And you shouldn't necessarily have to ask permission. Um, if you, I mean, we can, we can go through all these kind of examples, um, but you, you, you kind of get where I'm going. All right, expectations. I have done an expectation podcast before, so if you go back... I don't know, a few, four or five months, uh, you can hear the Expectation Podcast um, where I speak, you know, kind of directly to, to individuals and couples on this. So, you know, perhaps some of you have heard it. Um, and I do, <laughs> I, I do talk about expectations a lot because this for me is the silent killer. For me, expectations are the one thing that are on the table that we just, for whatever reason, have not been taught well enough to be able to voice... Um, because 
you know, at the end of the day, everybody's got a little codependent hook in them. And at the end of the day, we really do want to appease situations and keep things peaceful. And at the end of the day, we really don't want to muddy the waters or rock the boat a lot. We, we just don't. Emotionally, we don't. And that's just how that goes. It's kind of a common feature of the human. So, so that's it. So I call them the silent killers. How to set expectations. How do you set your expectations? Think about what I'm saying. How do you set them? How do you set expectations for raising kids? How do you set expectations for health in the marriage, physical, mental, spiritual health in the marriage? How do you set expectations for yourself as a spouse, as a wife, as a husband? How do you set those? Where do they come from? Where do the expectations come from? Are you using an ideology to set expectation? Are you using theology to set expectation? Are you using culture to set expectation? You know, if you're a woman and I mean, there are so many expectations on women alone in marriage. So in men, it's the same, same deal. You know, the man should be strong out there, you know, killing the beast and dragging it home. Like there's all this cultural assumptive bullshit that rides into how we set our expectations. But I want you to think, how am I setting them? What do you and your spouse talk about expectations? When was the last time you said, hey, what do we collectively expect discipline to look like in the house? What do we collectively expect when it comes to physical health, spiritual health, mental health in the house, in the marriage? An, an, An easy one. What do we expect vacations to look like? What do we expect sex to look like? That's a big one. You don't want to be fumbling around in the dark. And realizing all of a sudden that your spouse isn't down with what you're expecting. So you want these questions out loud. You want to know where you're going. And if you're married, you should be talking about where you're going. And if you differ on the expectations, it's more fodder for the two of you to be able to roll into love, to roll into the idea of empathy, to roll into the idea of grace and find common ground between the two of you, or a third way. Right? So expectations. You learn how to share expectations. You you will literally learn how to do this. And um, let me just, I was just thinking about this the other day, but, you know, I, 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 Di and I, before the kids, we adopted three kids all all at once. So our circumstances are a little wackadoo um, to most people who are having one kid at a time. <laughs> so uh, our expectations like changed in like a single day. And we had three different kids, three different ages that we kind of had three different kind of sets of expectations for right away. But Di and I didn't necessarily talk about any of that because we were so damn overwhelmed 13 years ago when we adopted these kids uh, to just keep them alive and keep them healthy and try to get them, you know, back into a, a, a lane of sanity. So we, we very rarely talked about, you know, well, what are the expectations for Angel? What are the expectations for Mia? What are they, well, like, those were very, those conversations were few and far between just because we were like, the minute that we took three children in, it was like we were on fire <laughs> running around looking for a bucket of water. So a, a lot of times what would end up happening is the expectation would be missed by myself or Diane, and boom, opposition would hit. 
And then, boom, oppression would hit. Because once the opposition started, it, it was this like crazy egoic fear thing of like never letting it surface again. And then we would try to oppress one another from ever it happening again. So slowly we learned that as we ticked through circumstances with these kids and how they were growing and how they were, um, you know, doing in the house, we learned then the to debrief. So at night, and this still continues today with Di and I, at night when we're lying in bed, we go to bed at the same time. I suggest that if you don't go to bed, at, if you guys, if you're married and you don't go to bed at the same time, I would suggest maybe busting that routine and trying to go to bed at the same time because it makes for good conversation time as you're settling down. Again, not a rule. It's just what Di and I do. You can do whatever the hell you want. But we, we, uh, we lie in bed and we debrief. And when we're debriefing, we, we are... We are, we are flexible on our expectations. We're asserting our expectations. We're hearing each other's expectations. We are adjusting our own, adjusting to another's, like coming to the understanding of what she wants, needs, and desires in the expectation. Okay? Because maybe she expects me when she's disciplining the kids to just shut the hell up and let her do it. So she can feel some of that motherly power that needs to be expressed in, in, the, in, the, in the marriage, right? Whereas I'm a dude and I want to fix it, so she starts disciplining and then they talk back and then I jump in like a crazy person and, you know, you know. and she's like, yo, sometimes you just need to shut up. <laughs> That's my expectation. <laughs> sometimes just shut up and let me deal. Okay, I got you. I apologize. <laughs> right? Early on, though, it was like sometimes I just need to shut up. Oh, you shut up. Oh, you shut up. Right? But now we debrief. So there needs to be big debrief. Like I say, opposition, oppression, expectation, all need words. All need words. All need words. So you learn how to share your expectations out loud with your spouse. So oppression, opposition, expectation. So the big ones are. Where are you sticking opposition into the, into the marriage? Where are you sticking oppression into the marriage? And what are your expectations? Okay, all those are great, big, fat questions. Along with that, again, how are you creating opposition or oppression? And how are your expectations perhaps a bit off rail? Right? How are your expectations perhaps anchored in ego or anchored in fear? Like, I want you to think about these things. Again, th- th- this is like looking in the mirror. When you're married, you will look in the mirror all the time. If you're constantly pointing your finger back at your spouse, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Listen to what I just said. Plain Jane. Like, you know, I deal with a lot of people, right? I, you know, I've got couples that like, you know, the wife will come to me and go, my, my, my husband's addicted to whatever. And I will still go, I will still look at the wife and I'll still go, yo, you need to concentrate on your side of the street. You need to concentrate on what's going on in you that you can control and that you can love and that you can exercise. And we'll pray for your spouse or maybe we'll have a conversation if he's willing. But my, my point is, is that if you're coming to the table with your finger pointed at your spouse on any given issue, turn that damn thing around. It'll be a hell of a lot easier for you to have conversations when it comes to these three words if you're doing it that way. Instead of just, you know, preloading, well, they they are the ones that do it. Again, the majority of our problems are our own. 
The majority of our problems are our own, and we get into a marriage. That is probably the biggest identification that you will have. I know it is for me. I mean, it is for me because I, you know, I can get off the rail very, very, very quickly because of my ego and my fear and my sense of entitlement, even the senses of self-pity, you know, that you bring into a marriage. I do more than you do and you do more than me, right? You can do all that stuff. So anyways, I want you to think about all those things. Fantastic. Love you all. uh, Good people very much. Next week on The Big Show, I have no clue what we're going to be talking about, but we're going to be talking about something great. Uh, Again, uh, go to jrman.com, J-R-M-A-H-O-N.com. If you need a spiritual director, I'm your guy. Uh, We can help you get through whatever season you are facing right now. Sessions are available uh, anywhere. If you're anywhere in the world, we can do it. Uh, In fact, the majority of my work in spiritual direction is on the phone. I have people literally, California, New York, Europe, uh, South America. So uh, I'm, I'm very willing to do that. If you're in Northeast Ohio, right? If you're in Columbus, Akron, Cleveland, maybe even dual Dayton. How about, uh, how about uh, Toledo? Perhaps, well, definitely Akron and Cleveland, we can get face-to-face. Columbus, we can try. Toledo, we can definitely try. But I'm in Northeast Ohio, Medina, in, in, in Medina, Ohio. So if you want face-to-face session, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Either way, if you want somebody to talk to, if, uh, you, know, if you just need to clear the air and, and take an honest step, I'm your guy. Call me. Numbers on the website. Uh, tabletopministries.online. Tabletopministries.online is the nonprofit that I also run, which provides spiritual direction absolutely free for people who can't afford traditional levels of counseling and therapy. Hey, if you would like to support something where you know you are affecting change in people's lives, that's the nonprofit. And it is an ongoing, transformative thing. I work with single moms. I work with some Hollywood insiders. I work with a bunch of people um, that are literally changing their lives, maybe out of addiction, maybe, uh, you know, again, they're transitioning, you know, they're transitioning into relationships. Uh, They're trying to get their lives back together. Um, So, again, if you want to support something really, really awesome, tabletopministries.online, and we would love whatever you can give. All right. uh, Thank you very much. We will talk next week.